Norm, CCC, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, last week I spent a week in Lahore, Pakistan, attending a wedding. Uh, if you've ever been to a Pakistani wedding, it goes for four days. And for men, you don't, aren't able to take your bride home until the fourth day. So, so it's, a, it's a long wait. Uh, but Kaddish was patient, and Michelle was a lovely bride, and uh, they had a wonderful marriage, and I was glad to be able to participate in it. Today's sermon message, let's see if I can, whoops, maybe I'm going the wrong way. Let me get to the, oh, here we are, my buddy. Okay, there we go. Uh, today's sermon is from, comes from Luke uh, 9 and 10. It's called Contagious Discipleship from the series, Who is the Greatest? My sport that I'm going to talk about is baseball. And let me ask you, can anybody, if you're over 50, you can't answer this, but anybody under 50, do you know who this baseball player is? If you can, somebody raise your hand and yell his name out. Who is that man? Eric Canadian, you know, good for you. <laughs> oh, Willie Mays, okay. Oh, yeah, good, good guess, good guess. Thank you for my employee for adding his name in there. Willie Mays. From my generation, he was the greatest baseball player. The only time I knew my father to tell a lie was when he came to my grammar school to take me out of school and told the school secretary that it was for a family matter. The SF Giants, San Francisco Giants, had come to Modesto, California and were playing the Cleveland Indians in a spring training game. Willie Mays would be there and starting in center field. My father got tickets, and so we both played hooky from work and school to go see the Giants play. My love for the Giants and Willie Mays was a passion and contagious, and my father caught that passion. At age 16, I became a believer in Jesus Christ. My goals for life were completely changed. I wanted to be a devoted follower of Christ, to be baptized, and to follow Christ as his disciple. Contagious discipleship is the theme of our message today. What does contagious discipleship mean? Simply, followers of Christ become disciples. These disciples disciple others, and these disciples then become leaders. Let me say that again. Contagious discipleship is we become a follower of Christ. In turn, we begin to disciple others. And those people who are discipling then become leaders and disciple others as well. It's not unique. This message is not unique to me. This is a book that really changed my life about ministry. It's called Contagious Disciple Making, Leading Others on a Journey of Discovery. And so many of the ideas come from this book. In a crazy, chaotic, contagious world, God always gives the world the same. He gives himself, and he gives his followers, contagious disciples. Contagious discipleship follows the example of Jesus in Luke 9 and 10, with the sending first of the 12 apostles, and then the 72 disciples, and the growth of the church in Acts. What we may know but haven't really made clear in our series on Luke is that the author of the book of Luke and the book of Acts is the same person. 
By this we understand that Luke 9 and 10 forms the backbone of the growth of the early church. Beginning with Pentecost and the empowering of the, by the Holy Spirit, contagious discipleship and contagious discipleship making of these same apostles in Luke chapter 9 and 10 and these same disciples who were sent out by Jesus brought about an amazing growth in the church. Passages from the book of Acts shows us how this took place. In Acts chapter 1, the same Jesus in Luke chapter 9 and 10 appears again to his disciples as the risen Christ in Acts chapter 1. Jesus Christ again commissions uh, the disciples uh, to follow him and to proceed to proclaim his message throughout the world, as we see in Acts, chapter, uh, Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Acts 2.4, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples in Jerusalem, and they are filled with power and a passion to share the message that Jesus had proclaimed to them in the Gospel of Luke. These disciples began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance, and those who listened heard the good news in their own language. Peter went on to preach uh, to these same people, and 5,000 fearing Jews became followers of the Messiah. Acts 2, 4, 42, 47 says the new believers formed themselves into to discipleship communities that were devoted to hearing God's word, prayer, and worship, the Lord's Supper, and caring financially for one another. Each day, new believers became a part of the community. What are these discipleship communities called now? They're called the local church. The apostles and now the disciples represented by Stephen continued to preach the message of the Messiah in Acts chapter 7. The apostles and a, and a deacon named Stephen suffered persecution, even death, as Jesus said they would. The church continues to grow and expand even in the midst of death and persecution geographically through the region. Saul, a persecutor of Christians, accepts Jesus as his Messiah and becomes the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9. Peter sees a vision of non-kosher food and visits the home of Cornelius, a Gentile and a Roman soldier in Acts chapter 10. Thus begins a Gentile mission beyond the Jewish peoples to the uttermost parts of the earth, according to Acts 1.8. The great Roman persecution of the Jews in AD 70 causes Jewish believers to leave Jerusalem and spread out through the whole region. Churches are started in Syria, Acts chapter 11. The missionary journeys of Paul in Acts 13, uh, 15, and 18 result in Christian churches being planted in Greece, Turkey, many cities around the Mediterranean Sea, ending up in Rome. In some places, Paul finds others have already planted churches. The growing number of disciples, leaders, both men and women, was a contagious discipleship that caused the expansion of the church into many regions of the world, including North Africa and even as far as India with the missionary journey of Doubting Thomas. Today, 126 countries in the world have majority Christian populations. When I researched on Google, I could not find any country on the earth where there are not Christians in 2020. Contagious discipleship is explained in the following passages from Luke chapter 9 and chapter 10. 
The cost of following Jesus is in uh, 9, 23 to 27. The nature of discipleship is in chapter 9, 46 to 62, and Luke chapter 10. The story of the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 10. The parable of the good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, 25 to 37. And Jesus at the home of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. This all starts with Jesus beginning his journey to Jerusalem. Jesus has spent two years in the Galilee. He has been teaching and healing, setting free demon-possessed people and reestablishing God's rule on earth. In 951, it says that Jesus resolutely sets out for Jerusalem where he will suffer, die, and rise from the dead. This was not a Passover journey as many and most of the Jews were, re were required to do during their lifetime. It was a journey of obedience to the purposes and plans of God. Whether it's the journey of Jesus to Jerusalem in Luke or the missionary journeys of Paul in Acts, Luke sees discipleship are following Jesus as an obedience-based journey. An obedience-based journey led by the Spirit according to the purpose and plans of God. It is with this urgency as Jesus begins to leave the Galilee area and go to Jerusalem where he will die, he commissions two missionary expeditions to his disciples. The first with the 12 apostles and then the 72 disciples. We think of missionary journeys as someplace far off. But remember what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses at home, near our home, and throughout the whole world. In 1 Corinthians, uh, Jesus would not return to Galilee, that place where he had been for two years. He would not return again until he came back as the risen Lord. While the 12 apostles traveled with Jesus along his journey to Jerusalem, we can assume that the 72 disciples stayed in that area and continued to do ministry and carried out the work for which they were commissioned to do. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to more than 500 people in Galilee area. So from that 72 that obeyed Jesus to do the mission which he had commanded them to do, there were now, at the resurrection of Jesus, 500 people who were there to be taught and met Jesus. The message is the Messiah. The Messiah is a message. Sometimes in discipleship, we feel that we are the message. It is our lives that people are hearing about. It's our lives that people are looking at. But we are only followers of Jesus. The Messiah is the message. Peter declares Jesus' Messiahship in uh, Luke chapter 9, 18. Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter replied, you're God's Messiah. You're God's anointed one. You're God's answer. In the transfiguration that we talked about during communion, in, in chapter 9, Jesus tells us, all the law represented by Moses and all the prophets represented by Elijah pointed to the work of Christ, pointed to the finished work of Christ, pointed to that mission that Jesus Christ was calling all of us to fulfill. And the message is that the kingdom of God has come in the person of the Messiah. This, this, this is the second time that Jesus, that God speaks about his son. The first time was at Jesus' baptism we talked about 
a couple weeks ago. Now, God says at the transfiguration, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And what does Jesus do? He says, you, me, we are the chosen people that God has chosen to accomplish his purposes and plans in the world. Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy, demonstrating again the rule of God is being reestablished over the physical and spiritual world of evil ruled by Satan. Jesus predicts his death in, uh, two times in, not, in chapter 9, verse 21 to 22, and again in 9, 43 to 45. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer. Many things to be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. What is the meaning of Jesus' death in terms of our contagious discipleship? This is an amazing truth. God has established his rule on earth. God is in control. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and everything in this world is happening, working, being worked out for the purposes and the plans of God. Jesus leads us out of the bondage of sin. Jesus provided our exodus from death to life. Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, gives God the victory over the final enemy of humanity, spiritual and indeed physical death. When Jesus rose from the dead, that was the last enemy, our physical death. Through Jesus' resurrection, not only are we able to have a relationship with God, but we are able to have victory over the death together, physical death together with Jesus Christ. We recall from Genesis 2.16 where the Lord told Adam, in the day that you eat of the forbidden fruit, you will surely die. In Jesus Christ, we hear the words, in that day you believe on Jesus Christ, you will surely live. The sword, the sharing of the message, this message of hope is also a double-edged sword. To accept the message of God's rule being established in the Messiah is to accept God's Son, Jesus Christ. To accept God's Son is to receive the benefits of the message, physical healing, freedom from torment of Satan, and victory over sin and death. To accept the message of God's rule established in the Son is to accept the call to be his follower, his disciple. To reject the message of God's rule established in the Messiah is to reject God. This is an amazing statement. To reject the message of, of Jesus Christ is to reject God. In a world where everybody believes in God, to reject the message of Jesus Christ is to reject God. There's only one true God and only one, one way to believe in God, and that is through his son, Jesus Christ. This is the message that we have as his disciples. We're not ashamed of this. We gladly proclaim that there is no name under heaven given among men by where we can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. To reject Jesus Christ is to receive the sorrows of this life and leads to the judgment of the unrighteous in the age to come. Contagious discipleship is discipleship without excuses. Family obligations cannot be a reason not to follow Jesus. In, in chapter 9, verse 
uh, 57 to 59, Jesus calls one man to come and follow him. This man said he must go back and bury um, his father. And this is a noble thing to do. Except when Jesus says, come and follow me. Another man says he will follow, but he must first go and say goodbye to his family. Again, this is a very thoughtful thing to do if you're going to leave and follow Jesus. Except if it's an excuse to put off being a disciple of Christ. When I became a Christian, my parents didn't agree with me. My father once told me it was like he lost me as his son. But I did not change my commitment to be a disciple of Christ to please my parents. Throughout the years, until the deaths of both my father and my mother, I was able to be of great help to them, walking in love towards them and helping in many ways, spiritually, emotionally, and financially. In their age, both, of my, both my mother and father came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. The same could be said of my wife. My wife is the youngest of 11 children. A good Catholic family. No, <laughs> just teasing. My wife was the last 11 children and the only Christian in her family. By faith, love, and generosity, she has been a great blessing to her family. Gender roles cannot be an excuse for not um, being a disciple of Christ. The story of Mary and Martha in chapter 10, verses uh, 38 to 41, does not only apply to these two women. Contagious discipleship requires discernment of both men and women amid life's pressing requirements. It is possible to say that life's demands, work and family, school, rest, recreation, is a challenge to be in a discipleship most of the time. Choosing discipleship is to choose the better way and to make the right choice that organizes, orients, and holds our lives together with the blessing of God. One of the few pleasures of being 64 is that I've lived a long time. And I can swear to you that seeking Christ, ordering, orienting, and putting our lives under the lordship of Christ and his leading works. I have never been able to stand up here and tell you what I told you if at 16 I didn't give my life to Christ. And as a result of the kind of teaching and the kind of work of God in my life, he has brought me to this place, a life that I never would have imagined at 16. Contagious discipleship is not dying for Jesus, but living for him. Jesus predicts his suffering and death two times in Luke chapter 9, 921 to 26. We wonder, how will the disciples act with the death of Jesus, with the death of the Messiah that they had been following? Now Jesus is asking them to take up their cross. But what cross is that? It is the cross of life and not of death. Jesus speaks to his disciples again about his impending death. But this time... Rather than picking up their cross, they begin to argue who would be the greatest. Mike DeBilzian, in our men's Bible study, helped me to understand this. To follow Jesus is to have Christ uh, childlike. To follow Jesus is to have childlike faith and obedience, not to be childish like the apostles. Discipleship is sometimes difficult to understand. But at age 64, let me say to you, keep at it. Stay with it. Persevere through it. God is on our side to do his will. 
desiring the good old days or feeling condemned because of our past is not a justification for not being his disciple. In chapter 962, it gives us great encouragement to look forward and not back. Following Jesus leading and let the past be the past. Follow Jesus leading and let the past be the past. The future of CCC is God's spirit leading us into the future, not focusing on what happened in the past. N.T. Wright says, if you are on a journey, the map you need is the one that tells you where to go next, not the one for the road where you've already traveled. In Luke 9.49, Jesus gives us a warning not to be distracted by the work of others done in Jesus' name. The disciples saw other men, not of themselves, of the group, casting out demons in Jesus' name. They wanted to call down fire on them. The parable of the Good Samaritan gives us a warning that to love God also means to love our neighbor. Contagious discipleship recognizes that God can and is working through other channels and other people. Contagious discipleship understands that God requires love demonstrated in mercy towards our neighbor and others. There's another kind of disciple. It's called the contemptuous disciple. They often hold others in disdain. Other believers who do not, and groups who do not agree with them or with whom they do not agree. Jesus said in this same chapter, for whoever is not against you, not whoever agrees with you, is for you. Let me say that again. Jesus said, for whoever is not against you, not whoever agrees with me, is for you. The contemptuous disciple sometimes practices judgment, withholds mercy towards others of a different culture, customs, beliefs, politics, and the list goes on and on. No contagious discipleship is obedience-based commitment to Christ, according to Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Is a person engaging in a good faith effort to obey all that God has commanded and teaching others to do the same? This is what Jesus requires of his disciples. You heard the expression kiss? To be a follower of Christ, keep it simple. To be a follower of Christ, keep it simple. Then Jesus gave instructions to the 72. They were to go out together and not alone. Jesus never thought that we need to have lone rangers out being uh, his disciples. They would find people ready to hear and receive their message described by Jesus as a plentiful harvest. They were to stay where they were to be welcomed, eat what was given to them, wear what was provided. One day, I would love to tell you the stories of my trips to Pakistan and the joy of living where people of peace live, what they eat, what is given to you, and where what is provided. Livonia, you touched my heart this morning. She likes my shirt. How's this shirt look? Pretty good, huh? Good. The family I stayed with in Pakistan, the father of the household, made this shirt for me. This is what happens when you eat what people eat, when you receive what people give, when you wear what they provide. This is what happens. Amen. <laughs> a disciple is to bless the home where they are welcome. As God's rule is being reestablished through his kingdom, the currency of the kingdom is peace. Peace with God 
and peace under God's generous grace, his astounding power, healing and contagious love. Let me read that again. Peace with God is a currency of the kingdom and peace under God's gracious grace is astounding, powerful and contagious love from N.T. Wright. Did not Jesus come into the world in the same way he sends his disciples? Leaving everything behind, God became man. Wearing our same clothes, eating our same food, staying in our homes, Jesus went about doing good, healing the sick, and setting free all who were oppressed and under the power of the devil, Acts chapter 10. Even as Jesus came into the world, so he sends us his willing disciples. How do we become this is probably the question. These are apostles. These are disciples. This is Jesus. So how do we become contagious disciples? Keep it simple. We believe in Jesus Christ. We learn God's word and we obey it. We do not allow excuses to keep us from being his follower. We understand that to follow Christ is our first calling. All other matters in life are arranged with discernment according to Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, wait a minute, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to us. Our discipleship is practiced everywhere we are. At home, at work, at school, in leisure, and in ministry by the Spirit's leading. To be a disciple, be led by the Spirit. Contagious discipleship is practiced with fellow believers and also with those who have yet to believe. Please catch this. Contagious discipleship is practiced not only with believers, but those who have not yet believed. How do we know that? Because people of peace that we encounter are people who have not yet believed or some who have believed and are ready to be disciples. These are the people that God has prepared to receive the message and to follow him as his disciples. The apostles and the first disciples were discipled towards salvation and obedience by Jesus until his death and resurrection and then for 40 days afterwards. When, the, when Jesus called the fishermen at the beginning, they were not yet believers in him. But he said, come and follow me. When we meet a person of peace who's not yet accepted Christ, what well, we're basically asking them the same thing Jesus did Please come and follow Jesus and let God continue to work in their lives through our help and our assistance. Contagious disciples do not need to choose one form of service over another. Contagious discipleship recognizes that we are equipped. We are equipped by God's Spirit to feed the hungry, to pray for the sick, to set free those bound by Satan, and to preach the good news. Contagious discipleship is sharing what we have learned with others. From our EW group, our men's Bible study, our high school youth group, Sunday sermons, and the Thai fellowship. And there's a joy related to contagious discipleship. In Luke chapter 10, the return of the 72 disciples is a cause of celebration. The 72 returned full of joy. The disciples exercised the same authority as Jesus over the demonic and satanic powers that they confronted. The disciples can rejoice that their eternal salvation is guaranteed through Christ. We participate with God in accomplishing his purposes and plans for which Jesus Christ came into the world. 
And Jesus said, he turned to his disciples and said privately to them, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you have seen, but did not see it. And to hear what you have heard, but did not hear it. This is the joy of being a contagious disciple. We will see things that prophets and kings have never seen. We will hear things that many people throughout the ages have sought to hear and never heard it. These are the things that we will see. As I close, I have a story about, story about my son-in-law, Bryce. You've met him before. He's been here. We were in Hua Hin for his kiteboard lessons and on vacation with my sister. Bryce always carries in his backpack tracks in English and Thai with whom, so he is able to speak with people about Jesus and to give them a track. The day of the New Hampshire primary, today is a South Carolina primary. This is a few weeks ago when they had the New Hampshire primary. I was sitting in Taco 94 in Hua Hin having lunch with my sister. CNN was on the television, and I was glued to watching the election results. We've, my sister and I finished our lunch and left. That afternoon, Bryce also came and had lunch after his lesson at 94 Taco. But he started talking to the owner and helpers about Jesus Christ. He gave them a gospel track, and then they said they were Christians as well. They ended up taking all of his Thai gospel tracks so that they could begin to talk to their friends about Jesus the same way Bryce had talked to them. This is the heart of what it means to be a contagious disciple. I was distracted. Bryce was walking in obedience. His actions led to these Christians in this restaurant being encouraged and receiving gospel tracts so they could continue to share their, their faith with their friends. Let us go to, to the Lord in prayer. Into this crazy and chaotic, contagious world you came. You went about doing good, healing the sick, and setting free all who were oppressed by evil and spiritual forces. Then, Jesus, you prayed and asked for laborers to be sent into the same world with the same mission and the same power to be contagious disciples and to make contagious disciples. You gave us a message and the Holy Spirit and the power and the mission so that we might continue what you started here at CCC, here in Thailand, and here throughout this region. The crazy thing about your plan is that in receiving these things and obeying them, we become just like you. We want to be contagious disciples. So we pray that both ourselves and CCC would be led by your Spirit to accomplish the work you have given us together with all your people in every place to your glory and honor and praise. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. All authority, said Jesus, has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the ages. You're dismissed in peace.